Uh, we're in James chapter 3 today, and uh, we're talking about our words. Um, words don't matter much anymore, do they? How can they when we have a culture that has now a less than 15-minute news cycle, and really we just kind of go from one thing to the next uh, as quickly as we can? Uh, words don't matter much anymore when they're used to tantalize Right? When, they're, uh, when we really know that they aren't leading to anything of significance. By the way, there's five good reasons you should listen to the sermon this morning. And you're never going to believe number three. Um, or how about even on our drug warnings? Words don't seem to mean much anymore. Right? Uh, may cause depression, insomnia, diarrhea, ulcers, fatigue, nightmares, nausea, anemia, vomiting, Headaches, addiction, anxiety, or death. And that's pretty much every medication, right? Uh, what about fake news? How do you even know what to believe anymore? Uh, people don't pay much attention to words anymore uh, for very long because there's always something new coming along, um, which negatively... Uh, impacts a lot of us. Because in ever, uh, instead of ever taking the time to stop and take account of our words and actually making them right, we kind of just blow right past them. Why? Because words don't really matter. Oh, I just said that. It didn't really mean anything. And yet we know the reality is that words now mean more than ever. Uh, they matter a lot. We're angrier than ever. More hurt than ever before. More critical than ever of the words of other people. Right? We rush to hand out judgment based on what people do or do not say. Did they get it right? Did they not say the right thing? I don't know, but let's just be angry. Uh, we have a culture where words become weapons, and they're used to incite anger, and they're used to put others in their place and tell everyone how right we are and divide people whenever and wherever possible. Words stick. Words can wound don't believe me? What do you remember about middle school? Right? Probably everybody in here who's been through middle school can look back and think, you know what? I still remember that one thing somebody said to me, and it has stuck because words wound. They shape us. And we know as Christians that words can, uh, they can bless and they can heal, but it's hard to really believe that when we don't see that all that often. We have got a word problem. We've got a tongue problem. We've got a mouth problem. And honestly, that means we have a heart problem. And today we're going to be in James chapter 3, which addresses all of that. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to say thank you for your graciousness to us that even in the midst of our problems with our mouth and ultimately our heart, you are gracious. And your grace provides a way out and it provides a way forward. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be at work in each of our hearts to make sense of your word, but also so that we could put it into practice, that we would have a faith that is working itself out, that we would choose to consider what your heart is in, in regarding our heart and our words. Would you speak to us this morning? We do need your help. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. 
Well, we're in James chapter 3, um, and it's obvious that James, when he was writing, he thought his hearers had a real problem with their words. Uh, he writes about this several times. Uh, take a look on the screen here. Uh, James 1, we've talked about all these passages. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Later on in James 1, it says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. In the next chapter, uh, James encourages readers to speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. James thought that words really matter. He thought they mattered a whole lot. And it's easy to look at the book of James and, um, and, and kind of just hear another book of Proverbs, right? It's, it's easy to hear uh, James and just think, oh, it, you know, this is another collection of short, pithy sayings. It's why, it's why, like, for young believers, we're kind of drawn to James because it's just really straightforward. And yet James is much more than a list of do's and don'ts. It's not about that. Don't do this, do that. Um, do you remember the mirror from chapter one? Right? Do you remember the idea of the mirror? Uh, scripture, including the book of James, is meant to be a mirror into the heart of the believer. It's, it's meant to be a litmus test for us as believers so that we can take an honest look at what's really going on inside. It's meant to show us in here. Um, and in James 3, James wanted his hearers to be able to take a look and see what was coming out of their mouths. Uh, and just like the illustration of the mirror, he wanted them and us to see their words as a test for the state, state of their heart, because our words are a window to our heart. Our words are a window to our heart. And I just want to say, as we begin, um, really thankful for the words of Dr. Kent, uh, um, Dr. Randy Smith, and just, just even in studying, just appreciate some of their perspective on this chapter. And uh, I might actually use a few of their words this morning as well. I'm just really grateful for them, right? So there, uh, let's read James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. You have your Bible um, I will find it. James chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. 
Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Uh, there are a few things we can really appreciate about James' James's approach here. And, and I think the first is that while he had every right to blast his hearers, right? Those who are reading this passage, he had every right to blast them for their words. He has every right to blast us for our words. What he starts off was he, he starts off with his own mouth first. James started out with his own mouth first because the words of teachers matter. That's why he says in verse 1, not many of you should become teachers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And, and it may seem like James is starting off uh, discouraging people from teaching the word. It's not true. Um, he was discouraging those that aspired to teach out of wrong motives. Um, pastor and author R. Kent Hughes said this, thinking about the early church. He said, the church and especially the Jewish church to which James was writing was naturally heir to the worship tradition of the synagogue, which highly honored teachers and encouraged congregational participation, meaning in, in honoring those teachers. The title rabbi meant my great one, and those holding the office were accorded the greatest respect. You, you can see where this could spiral out of control, right? It, it's easy to have wrong motives, it's easy in any area of life to have wrong motives. But James wasn't saying, don't become a teacher. He was saying, don't rush into this speaking role of authority for the sake of prestige, because it's awfully easy to misuse it and abuse it in the lives of other people. And friends, we, um, we in the church, there, there are a lot of us wounded in the church, people that have been wounded by teachers who didn't give a thought to their impact and the impact their words had on them. Um, personally, I have some regrets in my years of ministry here. Uh, and this is one of the regrets. The fact that I know that at different points in time, the impact of my words was negative. Or that other people could look and see, um, I wonder if Tim's doing this with the wrong motives. That's hard. It's really hard, and, and, and I think this should make all of us consider saying, okay, God, what about my own life? Um, James wasn't trying to stop people from using their gifts of teaching. He knew that teaching God's word was a deep privilege, and it takes a lot of work, and it's a really big responsibility. Here's what I appreciate. James started with reminding his readers that all teachers will be judged more strictly. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. He included himself there. Why? Because words matter. They have impact. And teachers of the word have great opportunity to impact uh, the hearts and therefore the actions of those they teach. This makes me think of us as a church family. When I hear this, I, I think of us. Uh, one, it makes me really grateful uh, for a speaking team. And I know most of you know this, but you know we have a speaking team here at the church. But it's more than just uh, made up of the people that uh, teach on a Sunday morning. There are a number of other people that are part of that speaking team. Um, I really appreciate it because when they meet together on a Thursday morning, collectively, what they do for each other is people basically teach their sermons first to another group. 
No one gets to come up here and in a rogue way say, you know, I'm just going to kind of go out on a limb here and teach my own thing. Um, what's being taught is actually worked through like on a Thursday morning. So there's a system of checks and balances and, and whatever is going to come out of somebody's mouth, somebody else has spoken into it already. I really appreciate that. Really trying to take that seriously of, of that responsibility in the area of teaching. It, it also makes me think of us as a church family because we say WL is a family and, and you get a chance to serve, right? We invite everybody to serve here. You don't have to be uh, even a member of the church to serve, although we'd love for you to be a member. Um, we, invite so, we invite everybody to participate in ministry as part of a team. And a lot of that means teaching. We have a ton of teachers in this church. You know that right now there are multiple people even teaching in other parts of the building, right? They're teaching our kids. And nobody ever does that by themselves. They always do that in conjunction with somebody else, in teamwork with somebody else. Why? Because it really, really matters. It means we have a collective responsibility to pay attention to what we are teaching, all of us. That's not just a responsibility for the pastors. We as teachers have the same responsibility. Yes, teachers of the word will be judged more strictly, but they're not the only ones. I think it's more than that. I think bosses are the same way. I think bosses are in that same category. Uh, I think parents are in that same category. All of you that are educators, I think you're in that same category. All of our politicians are in that same category. There are so many people. Why? Because to whom much authority, influence, or responsibility has been given, much is going to be required. There will be a greater sense of accountability for each of us who has great influence. Jesus said as much in Luke chapter 12. He says this, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Those that have great influence because of the words and actions they get to convey to others will be held to our higher standard, probably none higher than those who teach the word. And yet no one's perfect. We know that. These teachers that James spoke about weren't meant to be on the pedestal meant for Jesus. James said, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. No one's perfect, but if you or I have a position of influence, then we've got to pay attention to those that are listening and watching, to, watching us. Our words are a window to our heart, and our words have great influence, even control. The tongue really can be powerful. And James shares several pictures to illustrate that idea. There's, there's several illustrations of the tongue here. Right? Um, first is the bit. James says when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. And, and James's, uh, James's readers would have immediately thought of uh, a giant war animal. They would have thought of a powerful horse, something powerful that could ride over its enemies, something that would be feared in battle. And by controlling the, just the mouth of this powerful animal with something as small as a bit, someone can gain control over the whole animal. It's amazing how something so little can be so effective at gaining control. That's the bit. Uh, the second illustration he uses is that of the rudder. Um, or take ships as an example, although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Uh, two factors made it difficult. In, in the ship that James is talking about, two factors made it really difficult 
to sail and, and to, to steer. It's uh, the size of the ship and the winds. And uh, you know what? Things have changed just a little bit, and yet they're still kind of the same. Our ships are ginormous. Look at the size of that rudder. That's, that rudder is huge, but proportionally to that ship, it's really small. It's really, really small. No matter how big the ship or strong the winds, the one who is steering can exercise a measure of control just by moving the rudder. The small piece proportionately affects the large ship in a big way. I mean, disproportionate. In fact, the amount of control it gives is disproportionate to its size. You get the idea that the tongue, our tongue, our words, they represent us. And they're a small part that represents the whole person. And what goes on with our mouths is what's going on with us. The last illustration is what James calls a small spark. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Uh, this kind of makes sense to us, right? I mean, we've got a billboard on 30 as you drive to Fort Wayne talking about, from Smokey Bear, about forest fires. I mean, that kind of makes sense. We know, don't start fires. Um, but it doesn't really make as much sense to, to someone it does like in California who wrestle with fires every year. Did you know that even like two weeks ago, um, the fire departments in California were fighting like 17 major fires at the same time? 17. That's from the top of the state to the bottom of the state. Huge fires. We just, we don't even understand things like that. There have been a lot of uh, famous fires in history. Here's one you might not be familiar with. Um, this is the Cloquet Fire, uh, Cloquet, Minnesota. So it happened in October 1918 during World War I. Uh, a dry, hot summer had made Cloquet, Minnesota really susceptible to fire. Right? All, all the right factors were in play. And uh, on October 12th, uh, sparks from train engines ignited dry brush next to the tracks. And you know what happened? Uh, eventually, 453 people were killed. Uh, they say 52,000 homes were destroyed in 30 different communities. In fact, uh, that was a total cost of $7.3 million in that day of property damage, which would be like $128 million today. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And what started it all? Small sparks. Small sparks. Um, you get the idea. In the right environment, uh, a small spark can cause great destruction. And it's the same with our tongues too. Something small sparks something big. The tongue is a window to the heart and it has a significance that is not proportionate to its size. Our mouth causes all sorts of trouble and it can be dangerous, right? The tongue is dangerous. That's the next part on your outline. Uh, James says that the tongue doesn't just start fires. It is a fire. It burns. And, and we've all been the recipient, both the recipient and the initiator of that fire. Um, Proverbs talks a lot about this. Just a couple of verses from Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs sixteen twenty seven. A scoundrel. We don't use that word very often. We should, maybe more. Um, a scoundrel plots evil, and on their lips it is like a scorching fire. Uh, Proverbs 26, 21. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. It's fire. You get the picture. Our words can do serious damage. But we live in a culture where it's not just about our spoken words. We're probably right to address our written words just as much as anything. Maybe it's even more culturally appropriate for us right now. Um, what's made the news in the last couple weeks? 
Yeah, I'm not talking about Carmelo Anthony, okay? I'm uh, talking about Kevin Durant. If you don't know, Kevin Durant's a basketball player who uh, gained some notoriety in the last couple weeks because they found out he was using multiple Twitter accounts. One was a fake account that he was using to talk trash about his old teammate and coach. And he got busted with it. And uh, that was kind of a big deal. Um, until other more important things kind of come along. Uh, what about President Trump and Kim Jong-un in a war of words? And their tweets, right? This, this stuff, you can't even make this stuff up. In fact, we probably just really, it's President Trump versus everybody right now in a war of words. Um, and honestly, the sad part of all this is it's just beginning to feel normal. Um, but before we're really quick to point out what all these famous people do, we've got to realize that like the things that we notice in their hearts are what's really true about us too, right? They just, uh, theirs just gets put on the news. Um, what do we do? You know, uh, if people don't like something, they go online and complain. Uh, I, I was talking to one business owner this summer. I was trying to find a specific part uh, I looked up this business online, and I noticed, as I was trying to find directions to their business, this really scathing review pops up. And it's the very first thing you see, right? And it also happens to be from like eight years ago. And, and I get there, and, and I find the part, and the guy was really, really helpful. In fact, he says, hey, look, I have the part, but you don't want to buy it from me. This is way too much money. Why don't you order it online? Because if I were you, I wouldn't spend $50 on this part. I was like, hey, thanks. I said, hey, by the way, did you know that the, the, the first thing that pops up when, I'm, when people are trying to find your address is this scathing review? He's like, yeah. I was like, I don't know what to do about that. That was like eight years ago, and somebody had a really bad experience, but I made everything right in every possible way I could, and that's just what pops up all the time now. Why? Because somebody had a bad experience, and they thought a scathing review was the answer to their problems. I felt really bad for that guy. Um, what else? If someone offends us, we take it online and talk about it, even if we don't mention their name. And it's not just the kids, by the way. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, that's just students. That's what they do. Um, yeah, too many of them are trashing each other anonymously. By the way, parents, you should probably have some conversations about those apps. Anonymous apps, they're bad, right? Uh, but adults, we just do the same thing, only out in the open, right? Um, why is it okay to criticize people online? Why is it okay to complain all the time on Facebook? Oh, yeah, we know it's not, but why do we do it? Um, why is it okay go, to go online and leave a scathing review as if that's what we owe other consumers? Um, why is it okay to talk badly about people that we don't even know? Um, friends, this is a hard issue. This is a hard issue, and, and it hits close to home starting in our own homes. And in, in our own homes, it's not anonymous. It's not anonymous at all. Um, it's with the people we love the most, and that's where our words end up hurting the most. And this hit home for me this week, and I, there was just one day, it was just something, I was just mindlessly doing something as one of my sons was talking to me, and, and I didn't realize how I was responding to them. And Brandy looked at me later, and she says, do you have any clue about the words that just came out of your mouth? I'm like, no. I answered this question, no. Do you have any clue how that sounded? I'm like, actually, I had no idea because I was just paying attention to somebody else, something else. And she says, you gotta pay attention. And it was right for her. It was right for her to say, hey, Tim, your words right now that are coming out of your mouth are fire. 
not in a good way. They are hurting people. I needed that, right? We all stumble in many ways. James also says that the tongue is a world of evil, meaning our uh, tongue is hostile to God. It's more in line with the systems of the world than the renewed mind of God. It's more in line with the world than the spirit of God. That's what that means. Um, Friends, want proof that you aren't perfect or godly, that you don't have it all together, and that you've not yet killed the old man, the flesh? Take a listen to your words. Our words are a good reminder that the old man in our life is still present. It's still there. And this is a heart issue. That's why, that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Whatever comes out of our mouth is just what's spilling over out of our hearts. That's what that means. This is a heart issue. James goes on to say it corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Um, Jay and Kip are going to talk about this a little more next week. But all that really means is that both sometimes the wisdom that we use, the words that we use, we think it's kind of neutral. Oh, it's not really that good. And, and what James is saying is, you know what? That's straight from hell. It's a big deal. And we have to deal with it accordingly. But if we're going to deal with it, we've got to start at the right place because it's not easy to tame the tongue. That's why James says the tongue is untamable. And as humans, we've tamed a whole lot, haven't we? Right? We've tamed a whole lot. We tamed a flight and we made it to the moon. And in the process, we tamed things like physics and engineering too. Not perfectly, but pretty well. Uh, We've tamed much in the medical realm, not everything. We've tamed electricity and, and we harness it to work for us. We've tamed things like water, waterways and wind, and we put them to work for us until we find out they're out of control. And it's not that it's impossible to tame the tongue. It's just that we can't possibly do it on our own. Um, The change in our words is only possible in conjunction with a changed heart. There's no no other way. It doesn't uh, happen apart from a heart change. Um, You see, when it's untamed and uncontrolled, it destroys. Do you recognize the name Michelle Carter? Or... Conrad Roy III. Do you recognize those names? Um, She was in the news this summer because a few years ago, she was the girl who um, her her boyfriend committed suicide, and she was the one texting him, do it, do it. Why are you not doing this? You can follow through with this. And that's a terrible story. It's a really extreme story, but it doesn't take like an extreme story like that to let us know that, yeah, Words are powerful. They can destroy. They are poison because we do it all the time too. Our words can destroy. And friends, here's the big picture today. The tongue really is a window to the state of your heart and my heart. It really is a window there. And and the window shows that we're just really inconsistent when it comes to our words. Um, What comes out of your mouth? Today, it was really, it, it was fun to sing. It's fun to sing praises to God. I hope you appreciated even the words of what we were trying to sing. Um, But tomorrow we go back to work, we go back to school, we go back to wherever it is we go back to, including our families, and and we interact with people that are made in Jesus' image, but who drive us crazy and make us so angry and just get on our nerves. And honestly, if, if we're just being really honest, we might even say that we hate. There are those people, and we curse them 
and we belittle them, and, and we talk about them behind their back, and we misrepresent or even disparage them online, and we bully them and put them down. We tear at them so we can make ourselves feel better. We say just tiny little words um, to discredit them or not give them their due for something that they accomplished. We curse them, those who have been made in the image of God. And James would say to us in a kind and compassionate kind of way, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. I really appreciate his graciousness there. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. It's not consistent with who we are if we are in Jesus Christ. It makes us, it makes as little sense as a sweet water source producing salt water or some sort of fruit producing an entirely different kind of fruit. It makes as little sense as that, no sense at all. What does the mirror show us about us ourselves when we do this? The mirror shows that we have a heart problem. So what do we do? What now? Here's the great part. We don't deal with the issues of the heart by just trying harder. That's not how it works. It's really impossible to get a grip on your tongue in your own strength. It does not work. Can I give you three encouragements as we wrap up today? First is this. Um, the answer to all of the heart questions of James, when you and I look in the mirror of God's word, aren't solved by trying harder, but by drawing near to God. We're going to deal with this next week. Our answers are found by drawing near to God. Your answer in mind isn't primarily to delete Facebook and Twitter, although that might be a good start. And it's definitely not to sew your mouth shut because that has nothing to do with your heart. But you and I can choose this week to be the person who looks intently into the perfect word of God that gives freedom and do what it says. We can draw near to God in that way and put it into practice, put our faith to work. And secondly is this, uh, drawing near to God uh, means choosing to stop focusing on your words and the words of others. And that may seem counterproductive. But drawing near to God means starting to focus on God's words, about what he says is true. When we draw near to God uh, and we take a look at what he says is really true, that's why we talk about identity in Christ all the time. When we take a look at what God says is true about who we are, our identity in Christ, then he starts to address our hearts. So friends, if this is you and you're struggling with your mouth, can I encourage you to work on your heart this week? Um, take the book of Ephesians pour over it this week. Every time you find something that it says about who you are in Jesus Christ, right, the very words of God to you, write them down and review them this week. Let them speak words of life to your heart. Let them speak words of healing to your heart. Let God's words trump your words. And the third is this. If you've been wounded by the words of others, you do not have to stay stuck. You remember middle school, right? But some of us are still hanging on to not just things from middle school, but for the rest of our life. And, and what were harsh words have become poison for us. And can I just encourage you, we as a church family want to help each other find forgiveness, fullness, and freedom in Christ. And, and if that's you and you feel stuck, would you just talk to somebody? Would you talk to somebody up front today? Um, would you find another brother or sister and say, I don't want to be stuck anymore. I don't want to be poisoned anymore. I want to be able to let these, these things go that were caused by the words of other people. You don't have to stay stuck. Would you talk to somebody about that this week? Let's pray. Father, I just want to say thank you for your words of truth that speak into our hearts.
Um, God, I pray that each of us might be able to take an honest look at what's coming out of our mouths so that we can look into that mirror and find out what's going on in our hearts. I pray that we would listen to other people who can give us an honest assessment about what comes out starting in our own home. Oh God, would you do heart surgery on us so that our words could be healing. They could bless others and not curse. We cannot do that on our own strength. We need your help. Holy Spirit, help us with that. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Have a great day.